to the God Coffee and Resilience Podcast, where you can get your weekly dose of confidence, motivation, and inspiration in the midst of adversity. In every segment, we will discuss faith, life's obstacles that try to get in our way, and how we can maintain our resilience with God and a whole lot of coffee. I am Reese, your host. Grab a mug of your choice and come on in. Welcome back to God Coffee and Resilience with your host, I am Reese, and today we have a very, very unique and special guest with us. Her name is Karen Yates. Karen, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing wonderful, Reese. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for taking time out your morning to be with us. I'm super excited for you to share your story of resilience and all the things. But before we get started, I usually try and do an icebreaker so that the audience can try and get to know a little bit about you. And it's been fun to see the responses because uh, this one question that I ask stump everybody. So I'm going to try to ask the easier question first <laughs> and just ask you, what is your favorite caffeinated beverage? Caffeinated beverage. Um, I have to admit it's Pepsi. Pepsi. I have a best friend that likes Pepsi. Um, yes, she she is a Pepsi drinker. <laughs> I am a yeah. ginger ale drinker. Oh, yeah. See, I grew up, oh, my parents, we grew up in Michigan. I grew up in Michigan, and there was this um, ginger ale called Verner's, which is really, really strong. And so I used to, like, sneak a little bit from my mom's, and every time uh-huh. the bubbles would just tickle my nose and make me cough. <laughs> so I Jeez. always associate ginger ale with this really strong one that, now I think I would enjoy it, but as a child, it wasn't, I'm trying to sneak a treat here and it's making me cough. Gosh, is this stronger than Seagram's? Cause I usually like Seagram's burns. Oh, Verner's is so strong. It used to be just in Michigan and they've kind of spread, they got acquired by one of the big beverage companies. Um, but if you ever see it, you should try it because it's definitely a different taste. <laughs> Well, I will definitely put that on my list. I've been learning about all different types of caffeinated beverages. I've never even heard like teas and different things. So I will put that on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my second question is, what what are three things that most people wouldn't know about you or wouldn't expect from you? Um, Okay. Number one, I am nearly deaf in my left ear which happened when I was 30 years old, an inner ear virus. And one of the very, very minor percentage side effects is permanent hearing loss. And so um, (laughs) that's something. Uh, Let's see. I used to be a pharmaceutical research chemist. uh, Wow. Making new drugs for uh, oncology, uh, arthritis, all kinds of schizophrenia, all kinds of different things. Yes. So people that know me now don't uh-huh. necessarily associate me with, you know, the nerdy chemist and the lab coat and the goggles and everything. Yes. <laughs> and let's see, number three. Um, I was a really good trumpet player in high school. Huh. Okay. I wouldn't have suspected that. I wouldn't have suspected <laughs> any of those things. You stumped me. <laughs> And you didn't struggle at all with that question. It just rolled right off. 
Well, it's kind of what do you pick of the three? Like, there's a lot that I could choose that a lot of people don't know, but yeah. Yes. Well, we have appreciated you being in the lab. Thank you for what you have done in the past. Thank you. <laughs> I will definitely say that. We need we need people. Definitely. Well, all right, my love. Now we have entered into the second part of the podcast, which is the, I guess, the part that everybody's been waiting for is for you um, to kind of tell your story. And I've tried it both ways. I've tried asking people questions. And then for some people, they can start from the beginning and tell it to the end. Um, So I just want to give you the opportunity to tell your story the way you want to tell your story. Um, Starting from, I guess, the beginning, I guess, whatever part you want to start from uh, in in your marriage when everything started um, and just kind of walk us through it. Sure. Sure. So I'll start back in childhood because that really is where things started. Like I knew from, I don't know, from the time I was two that I was going to go to college, right? Like this was just so programmed in my head. This was this life path that I needed to Uh be on. And so, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the path was you go to school, you get good grades, you get a good job, you get married, you buy a house, you have kids, you work, you work, you work, you work, you work, and then you retire. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> right. This is the path. And so I followed it pretty well. Like, you know, I yes. got good grades. I got a good job. I you know, got married, had kids, got a house, all that stuff. And, right. and everything seemed to be going okay. And my mm-hmm. job was not as consistent and stable as I thought it would. You know, I'm graduating mm-hmm. from college with a degree in chemistry. And I'm like, okay, yes, I get into the pharmaceutical company, into that world. And, and I'm going to work here for the rest of my career. Uh Well, except the pharmaceutical company was going through massive consolidation at that time. And so they are closing things. You know, (laughs) I lost my job three times and narrowly avoided a fourth due to site closures and Mm -hmm. contracts getting cut and and all of that. So moving around, you know, you don't get to develop the roots that you you think you're going to, you know, when you have to move. Because every time I lost my job, we're moving to a different state. And so you're finding, you know, new dentists, new schools, new doctors, everything. Right. But we're just kind of going through life. My husband and I had two kids. We're seemingly very happy. And then 2018 hit. And we just found ourselves at a very, very low point in our marriage. I mean, to the point where we're talking divorce. And add to that, we were broke. And financial (laughs) stress combined with relationship stress, you can imagine it's it's not a pretty place to be. No. And there's just all this anxiety and, and fear and stress. And, and we, we started talking and we both realized, we both made the decision that we wanted to work out our relationship. We wanted to, to get to a point where, where we were together and, and feeling like we were both together. And, and so the only thing we knew how to do was to talk. (laughs) <laughs> like, okay, let's go back to the roots. Let's start talking because, and we started to realize that, man, we really hadn't been talking. We hadn't been communicating, you know, all these years, you kind of, we were just kind of floating through life on this path that we're supposed to be on. Right. And the more we started talking, the deeper, you know, getting to the deeper heartfelt conversations, we realized that we wanted the same thing. We both wanted to spend more time with each other, which is how we knew we would really improve our relationship. And we wanted right. to spend more time with our two kids. But here I have this job, this intense job that, you know, it's not a nine to five, it's a seven to five kind of job. And it's, it's not one that you can, you can do sporadically. You can't do it remotely. You know, you have to be there. And so it's like, how do you find more time for each other? Right. You, 
you're in this structured, structured world here. You know, the kids are at school and I'm at work and, you know, the time is just, it's gone. Yeah. So we're like, okay, well, how do we do this? You know, we're 18 years into our marriage. We're broke. We're at a bad point in our marriage, you know, in our relationship. What do we do? And we're like, we have to get creative. We have to think of something different to spend more time with each other, to get out of this rut that we're in, to make a difference. And so we started just thinking outside the box. And this idea comes, well, what if we were to leave this path, this path that we've been on, take an abrupt right turn and do something completely different. (laughs) And Uh so it comes out (laughs) and it's like, well, what if we just left the US, left this programmed life Uh and did our own thing? And we have always wanted to travel, always thought that we would do that in retirement. And this idea just kind of got formed. Like, what if we just went traveling now? And of course, there's all these negatives in your head right away. You're like, well, we don't have any money. We don't have a remote job to make income. How do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? Right? All these thoughts come in. But, oh, man, that seed got planted in my brain. (laughs) And the next day I went to work and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just kept thinking about thinking about thinking about it. And pretty soon all of these positives just start like rising to the surface. And it's like, wow, you know, we'd have more time with each other. We'd have more time with our kids. We'd develop this relationship with our children, which was so important to us that would last into their adulthood so that they would want to be a part of our lives, even when they have their own lives. You know, we could homeschool them. We could, you know, allow them to explore their own passions and we could really focus on what's important to them. Yes. So we kept talking because this was not an easy decision, but we kept talking, talking, talking. And the more we did it, the more it just, the pros just started to outweigh the cons so much. And then we're like, okay, now we have to do this. Now we have to do this. It's like this burning passion inside of us that like, okay, we have to find a way. How do we do this? So we started tackling, okay, how do you, how do we get money right now? Mm-hmm. And we start tackling, how do we make money while we're traveling? You know, and, and then all the myriad of, of other decisions, you know, passports and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. What do we do with all of our stuff? And a million and one decisions. I mean, decision overlo- overwhelm, it totally yeah. happens. Oh, goodness. Totally I could imagine. But we had hit that point in 2018. And 11 months later, we were boarding a plane, all four of us, with one-way tickets to Bali and starting a whole new chapter of our lives. Wait, why Bali? What 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 made you guys pick Bali? <laughs> well, <laughs> my husband was doing a ton of research about online businesses and how to make money online. And he's like, there are summits and conferences for literally everything. You want drop shipping? There's a conference for it. You want digital nomads? There's a summit for it. And so he just got to thinking, well, is there anything for families that travel? So he Googled it away. And sure enough, here pops up this family adventure summit. And he found it, showed it to me. And it was like, oh, my word, we have to be at this. This is incredible. This is for families that travel, that do what we want to do, you know, that Uh homeschool their kids, that some travel around the world, some travel in RVs around the U.S. It's every flavor of traveler. Uh-huh. And they were having their next summit in Bali. And so wow. that set our timeline. And it's and we were like, well, we're not doing this, we're not doing this half measure. 
you know, we're going to yeah. do this. Okay. We're going to end up in Bali. Like who doesn't want to go to Bali anyways. Right. So, yes. so we set our timeline and that was our first stop. And it was the most incredible experience because we found people that just got us, that understood us. And we learned so much from them. We've made lifelong friends with people that we met there that, you know, we will definitely keep in contact with these people because we understand each other and we have things yeah. in common that we honestly don't have with a lot of people. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. That's so interesting. So you, you go to Bali and you meet yeah. these, uh, your lifelong friends, your lifelong destiny people to help you along the way. <laughs> and then did you end up staying in Bali or did you guys end up moving to or traveling to another part of the world? Right. So before we left the States, we had planned we were going to go to Bali and then we had planned to go to Thailand. My husband had actually okay. gone to Thailand in 2018, the end of 2018, he had gone there for an internship to learn some mm -hmm. online business stuff. And while he was there, he had experienced a lantern festival. So where they light, light these Ooh. giant paper lanterns and they go up in the sky. <laughs> and these aren't like little lanterns. These are like no, five foot like diameter. Yeah, yes, like five foot I've diameter lanterns. Yes, I've seen the pictures on some of the traveling sites where people yes. go and they take the pictures. Oh, so pretty. <laughs> yes. So he had been there in 2018 and it was such an incredible experience for him. And while he was standing there watching all these lanterns, feeling, you know, the excitement of this festival, he said, mm -hmm. someday I'm going to bring my family here. We're going to come back, me and the entire family. And so <laughs> we ended up in Bali and he's like, well, we're going to go to Thailand and we're going to go to that Loy Kratan Lantern Festival. And it was the, one of the most incredible experiences that I have ever experienced. I mean, it was so strange coming from the U.S. where, you know, our festivals and experiences, they're, they're loud, they're boisterous, you know, there's drinking, there's right. loud music. And here it was, I mean, like millions of people crowded in here. There's no drinking. The, the, it's this happy atmosphere that yes. is just this celebration. Like every time a lantern would go up and these take a while to light. Like you, you, they're like this wax ring that you have to get lit. And so you have to hold uh -huh. the lighter to it for quite a while. And eventually the air warms up in the lantern enough for it to rise. Well, uh -huh. every time one of those would go up, everyone around would just cheer and clap and and there's just this sense of excitement and, oh, it's just so beautiful. And so we experienced that and it was the most amazing thing. And I'm well, so glad that my husband had decided that, yes, I'm going to take my family there. Yes. I'm wondering now I'm interested to know, like, what does the lanterns, the lanterns represent in Thailand? Like what, what does it represent? Like what part of the culture what does it I'm mean? not certain. <laughs> I didn't dig into it, but it was just the most incredible thing. Like I remember watching the movie Tangled uh, when one of yes. mine was really little. And we, we were in a, we watched it in 3D. So we had the glasses on and, and the lanterns are like floating up and all these kids are like reaching their hands up, trying to, to grab them in the theater. And right. it was kind of the same experience. There's just all these lights floating up into the sky and it's just so uh, peaceful and happy and celebratory and uh, just it still gets me like when I think about that that festival right 
Oh my goodness. So like from that big hop, that pick hop and jump, I don't know how old your kiddos were when you guys made the decision, but how have they adjusted to um, you guys' new lifestyle, like their lifestyle? <laughs> right. So they were 12 and seven when we left. Uh-huh. And the 12 year old, it was, a, it was a little bit more difficult, but we consciously made the decision to do this before he entered high school because- right you know, he was on a programmed path too. you know, as much as as I look at that programmed path and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I I want to escape (laughs) it. Well, I had been doing the same thing. We had been doing the same thing with our own children. Right. And Uh so the 12 year old had 12 years of being programmed that this is, this is normal. And then all of a sudden we're scooping him out of normal and (laughs) taking this abrupt right turn. (laughs) But he, he has really fallen in love with it because he gets to explore things that he wouldn't have time to do otherwise. You know, if he was in high school in the States, you know, he loves, he's a computer nerd. I mean, just (laughs) he's a computer nerd (laughs) and and he's fine with me calling him that, (laughs) but he's been able to take Harvard level, Harvard computer science courses online at 13, at 14 years old Uh and complete them. And he wouldn't have the time to do that on his own, you know, if he were in a U.S. high school. And so right. he's been able to like explore this passion and really dive into it at, you know, an age when most people, you know, most kids are, you know, they're doing their sports things, they're doing their extracurriculars and right. and that's it. And he's able to really dive into something that he feels passionate about. Yes. Now our, our daughter was seven, she's nine now. And, oh, this has just been like, the best thing in her life. I mean, she, <laughs> we were worried when we were going to tell her because we're like, Oh, she, she was six at the time. We're like, Oh, time just takes on forever. And she was the more social one. And we're like, Oh no, we're taking her away from her friends. And the minute she found out that I wasn't going to be going to work, she was like, yes. When are we going? <laughs> I'm, all I get to say, I'm all in. And you know, it's the same for her that she's able to to do her schoolwork at her own pace, which is mm-hmm. much faster than she was doing in the public school. Yeah. She's able to explore her passion of art. Uh, we do online art classes with her. She's done Zoom classes with her grandma, who does a lot of art stuff. And, and it's just, as she gets to read so much, and oh my gosh, it's just been a blast for them. And then you add to it that they get to experience different cultures and different foods right. and in different situations. And it's it's so much of an incredible experience for them. Oh, goodness. Well, how how did your families take it? Is your families like originally in the United States? Did they think that y'all have lost your minds or did <laughs> how did they respond? <laughs> Pretty much. I will say they tempered their reactions. They didn't tell us that we were crazy, but you could sense the underlying fears, the underlying concerns. You know, they were the ones that programmed me. You know, my parents programmed me. My husband was programmed similarly. You know, this is the norm. This is what you're supposed to do. And so we were breaking completely outside that norm. We're like shattering this box and saying, no, we're going to do this our way. (laughs) So so they did temper their reactions. But reality is, is they don't really understand it so well. Right. Right. Because that's all they knew. And so I love it that you're, you broke that kind of like generational curse and gave your kiddos the freedom to create their own norm and their own, their own path. Yes. And then when they have children one day, 
<laughs> they will get it, be able to start a new tradition, a new thing, and it, they won't feel right. like you have to. You know, yeah, their path is of their own choosing. And that's really what, what I really hope that they learn from this is, is, you know, there is not a set path. You are not programmed to do this, 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 that it right. is, it's open. Find something that you love, that you're passionate about yes. and find a way and make it work. Yes. I definitely feel like as you were telling your story, it was a divine purpose that uh, the seed was planted and there was a reason why it kept replaying in your mind because it was meant for you guys to do it. I mean, everything just lined up perfectly. The the summit in Bali at the perfect timing, everything came together and it, it, it went just like butter, it sounds like. I mean, I know that <laughs> in life you have things you have to think about and the complications, but when things go like that, it was meant for you. So I'm excited and I'm happy for you and your family um, because it sounds like you guys followed your purpose. Yeah, there were definitely huge bumps along the way, huge hurdles along the way. But we had that passion inside of us and we're like, okay, this is something that we have to do. And and I do so believe that there is a purpose in life, that things happen for a reason. You know, that, that Bali summit, it really made us set a very, very aggressive timeline. Like we had to yes. figure things out very quickly. But I look at that and I said, man, if we hadn't left, that was October of 2019. If yeah. we hadn't left in October of 2019, well, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have left because COVID hit. And so there were families that we met at that summit in Bali who were there preparing to start their journey. And they're like, okay, we're gonna go next year. Well, next year COVID hit and they weren't able to do what they had planned. And so right. things happened for a reason. We had that timeline set for a reason and we left and you know, we've made the most of it. It's been COVID. It hasn't been easy. You know, there's been challenges and, and lockdowns in a foreign country are, are not, you know, the simplest thing to handle, but you, you do it as a family. And, and that is really, you know, one of the core beliefs that we started with is we wanted to spend more time with our kids, more time with each other. And so when you're in lockdown 24 seven for, for six weeks, you spend a lot of time with your a lot family. of time <laughs> with yourself, <laughs> with each other. Absolutely, and we we did that in Vietnam. We haven't. We were in Vietnam when COVID hit, and we ended. We went in on a three month visa. Ended up spending eighteen months there. Most absolutely incredible experience we could have ever imagined. There was totally divine intervention that, that yes. landed us there. We, we had plans to go to Bali and Thailand. And after that, we were like, ah, wherever the wind blows us. And so we were in Thailand looking for where to go. And we're like, where do we, where should we go? Where should we go? And, you know, there were, there were things that we were, were on our mind. Like we don't like cold weather, so we're not going to Europe. We didn't want to yes. go all the way around the world again. So we're like, okay, let's stay in, in the Asia area. Let's do someplace that has an easy visa. So this isn't problematic. And so we were all set to go to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And we're like 95% sure that that's what we're going to do. And then we started seeing all this stuff for Vietnam. You know, people that we had met at the summit, they're posting stuff on Facebook from pictures from Vietnam. And we're getting like ads for Vietnam and we're seeing billboards for Vietnam. And we're like, 
what is this? And it's like, yes, there's this message that was being inundated into our brains about Vietnam. And we're like, hmm. So we started asking people because Vietnam was not on our list of places we wanted to travel to. Right. We had grown up hearing about the Vietnam War. My dad was in the service and went to Vietnam and never talked about it. So, you know, there's all these negative things. Like we did atrocious things. You know, the Americans did atrocious things in Vietnam. You know, the napalm, the Agent Orange, the bombing, all of that. It's like, yes, terrible. But we started asking people, random Westerners that we met who traveled and we're like, where should we go? Should we go to Malaysia? Should we go to Vietnam? We must ask a dozen people and they, every single one of them said, go to Vietnam. Yep, so it like, was meant to be. <laughs> so we're, we're getting a message here. We should go to Vietnam. And so we said, okay, we're going to go to Vietnam. And it Gosh. ended up being absolutely amazing. We were able, because we were there for 18 months, we were able to make friendships, you know, with Vietnamese people, um, you know, got welcomed into their families. And it was the most, truly most eye-opening experience for us because we went in with this assumption that the Vietnamese people are opposed, you know, have a prejudice against Americans. And it was absolutely 100% the opposite. They found out we were Americans and they were like, oh, hugs and like, oh, America, yes. And we're like, what is going on? Like, this is so counter to what we thought. Right. right. And so we started asking people, asking strangers. Sometimes we had to do it via Google Translate because they didn't even speak English. And right. every single person told us the same thing, that the Vietnam War, which they call the American War, that that was in the past. The yes. decisions were made by other people. And we look towards the future. I love it. I was like, holy cow. Like that, like just about knocked both my husband and I over because we're like, wait, I mean, everyone in this country was affected. You know, there's people walking around with missing limbs. You know, 50 years after the war, there are still unexploded bombs in the wilderness area. You know, if you're hiking around, they tell you don't go off the trail because there could be unexploded bombs 50 years after the war. And they do not hold Americans responsible. They don't hold this grudge. And I was like, oh my word, if everyone in the world had just a little bit of that mentality how different would our world be oh reality of difference oh gosh yes yes Yes. from just i mean the most welcoming people like they literally welcomed the four of us not just one or two of us you know the all four of us come into our come into our homes have a drink with us have dinner with us sit with us you know our daughter got invited to birthday parties. You know, she, she didn't speak a word of Vietnamese and go to the birthday party. And, and just the most welcoming people that we still, we still have friends from there that we keep in contact with. And uh, yes, total divine intervention there that we were meant to be there. Yes. Where, where are you guys now? So we spent 18 months in Vietnam and we're absolutely loving it. Um, And then in July, we were told that, no, in June, we were told that they would renew our visa one more time, but we had to have a flight out of the country. They were not going to renew our visa anymore. So we looked around and we're like, where can we go? And COVID's still in full force here. And Europe's great for Americans if you have the vaccine, but that wasn't an option 
the vaccine is not available in Vietnam, certainly not at the time. You know, they're a developing nation, they're getting it, but you know, they're using it for their healthcare workers, for their first line people where they should be using it, um, not for American tourists. <laughs> so we're like, okay, Europe is out, where can we go? And so we settled on Mexico. So we're like, you know, we can start learning Spanish, which is something we've been wanting to do. We can be in the same time zone as the U.S., which does make it easier to communicate with family and friends <laughs> and clients. And so we, we chose Mexico and we chose to visit Mexico City, which we'd been on both coasts. We'd been to Puerto Vallarta. We'd been to the Cancun area. We'd never been in central Mexico. And so we're like, well, let's go go there. And it's it's been a really unique experience. It's a huge, huge city. It's like the fifth largest city in the world as far as population goes. There's like 20, 20 million people here. It's insane. Um, <laughs> but it's been really fun to kind of get to know the culture. They have tons of museums and, and to learn the history, which has been really interesting because, you know, as an American, I didn't learn, I learned American history. And, you know, as we visit different places, we learn that the history of the countries where we visit. And so Mexican history is is very different than American history. And so it's yes. been enlightening, enlightening for my husband and I, as well as for our kids. Yes, I just came back from Cabo. I, I loved it um, at the end of September. And then 2019, I went to Cancun. So I love Mexico and I love their currency. <laughs> American dollar. <laughs> How much it is. And I always joke and I'm just like, hey, one of these days I'm going to take all the little bit of money I have and go over there and live lavish. And it's, it's just hilarious because every time I go, I'm just like tipping, tipping. I'm just like, here's a couple of dollars, but it's not a couple of dollars. It's a, a lot of money. <laughs> so yeah, in the American dollars over there, yeah. but it's wonderful. I've always had a good time. They're always so sweet. Um, every time I go to Mexico, it's nothing but a good time. And I went by yeah. myself. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, the interesting thing for us is we found that when we had traveled, you know, to the more touristy areas, you know, the Puerto Vallarta and the Cancun area, nearly uh -huh. everyone speaks English that you run into. Right. But in Mexico City, it's just the opposite. Very few people actually speak English. And right. so it was it was a little bit eye opening for us because we're like, oh, well, you know, they they learn English. Right. Right. And very right. few actually do. So it's been a little bit more challenging actually for us to, to communicate, but it, it's, it's incredible how much you can communicate even without Google translate, um, make yeah, yourself understood. Funny. Um, I got locked out of my room and I ran into uh, this guy who was working at the hotel when I was in Cabo. And I said, I'm locked out of my room. And he was like, yo habla, no habla English. And I was like, uh, uh, yo habla uh, espanol un poquito. And uh, he, I was like, um, lock. <laughs> he was like, no, <laughs> he went to go find someone and he spoke a little bit and he was like, I, I don't have the key. And I was just, I had to walk all the way up to the front, but I found that hilarious. Cause I was like, uh, and he was like, well, I know that we've been talking for a little bit, but tell us um, 
what did you end up doing financially that was successful? Like, how did you and your family survive? Because I know you kept saying we were we were in between blessings. We were a little broke, but how did we overcome that? <laughs> right. So I was still working those 11 months, 10, 10 of those 11 months, I was still working. And so we got really, really intentional with our money in that time frame. Mm-hmm. you know, making making certain that the money that we were spending was helping us towards our goal or that we were really, really enjoying it. So for instance, going out to dinner, we like going out to dinner, but we would make the decision that, you know what, maybe we're not going to go to the really nice restaurant. We're going to you know, Mm -hmm. take a step down or we're going to get some pizza, you know, to still enjoy the experience, but to not spend as much because it was really Mm -hmm. important for us to hit that goal of having one year's worth of expenses saved up before we, we said goodbye. Right. And then the second part of that was really coming up with a business, a way to make money online while we travel, that it wouldn't matter. You know, I, we weren't really interested in remote work because we were like, okay, we want the freedom of time so we can do our business, you know, when we want to, or in a different time zone. And so we had started with marketing and we did okay with that, but we found that we weren't really passionate about it. It wasn't something that lit us up. You know, it was more of a job. Uh And so we started talking some more and we're like, man, what do we, what, what should we do? What really lights us up? And we went back to our thoughts when we were telling all of our friends and coworkers and family members that we were going to be leaving the States and and traveling. There were one of two spots, one of two responses. The first response was, I don't really understand you. You know, this you're, you're going, you're doing something completely different. I don't understand. But the second response was like overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, you guys are going after your dream. That's so incredible. That's wonderful. You know, all of that. Right. And we're like, we need to inspire people to go after their dreams because that response was, you know what? I have a dream and and I'd really love to go after it and you're doing it. And that's amazing. Right. So we're like, oh man, we need to do this. We need to inspire people to go after those dreams, to not hold on to them for maybe someday, hopefully cross my fingers, hope it works out, but really to go after them now. And then we, we took another look back and we said, you know what? We did something crazy here, right? Like, we went in 11 months, we went from broke to having one year's worth of expenses saved up while planning for this trip and, and everything else. And we're like, we did this through, you know, different financial decisions and we need to share that framework. We need to share this mentality of right. money so that not only are you inspired to go after your dream, whatever that dream is, whether it's travel or another house or, you know, a trip, whatever, that yeah. you also have the ability to get the money to actually make it happen because being inspired is one thing, but like really not having the money, right? It doesn't matter how much you're inspired. You have to be able to have the strategies to actually get that money so that you can enjoy that dream that you want to, to see. Right. So we created a financial coaching business called inspire my money, which is uh-huh. just that inspiring people to go after those dreams and then sharing with them the strategies that they can utilize to actually make it happen with the money that they have. Because in that one, in that 11 months of time, we didn't have a windfall of cash. You know, we didn't win the lottery. We didn't get an inheritance. It was literally through, through conscious money management of what we had coming in, prioritizing it towards our goal and making it happen. 
Yeah, I feel like nowadays, like we spend so much time focused. It's money, 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 money. Like very rarely do you see people enjoying life or going out or anything. It's like work, work, work. And when the weekend comes, we try to rest and we try to take care of the house. And before you know it, Monday's here. And then we go right back to work and right back on the grind. And it's miserable to, it feels like 500 years, but it's miserable to do it for a couple of years, like 40, 50, whatever, and then retire at 65 and have nothing to show for it but a little social security check and by the time you're old and crippled it's time to retire and you want to travel the world but you can't because you're sick and got all these ailments then you go into a nursing home and you just have nothing to show for it it's just terrible um <laughs> so i'm happy that you guys created inspire my money to inspire other people like what what advice would you give um people out here listening that might find themselves in a similar situation where they want to do something that's outside the norm or either um, they're inspired to do something outside the norm. That's not the problem. Their financial uh, stability is the problem. Like, what would you say to kind of like give them a little oomph to tell them to like keep going? (laughs) Sure. So the first thing I'm going to say is probably going to sound counterintuitive, but I would say don't go on a budget. And I say that because I don't believe in budgets. We've never been on a budget. There are just so many negatives to budgeting. You know, you Mm -hmm. feel restricted. You feel less. You feel, you know, the sense of um, just minimalism, right? Like you have to, you can't spend money, right? And it it just creates this negative cycle of emotions, which I always relate it to dieting, right? You know, people go Uh on a diet and like they're restrictive, right? You can't have this food, right? And what do you do? You think about that food all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I want that. I want that cookie. I want that margarita or I want that pizza, whatever it is, right? That's the same thing with budgeting, you know? Oh, I can't go out to eat. I can't afford to do this. I can't do this. And it's just this negative, right? And you start obsessing Mm. about all these things that you can't have. And then just like on a diet, when people go off a diet, usually they end up in a worse place than before they started. Well, people go off a budget and they end up in a worse place because they're like, oh, I'm just going to spend this money. This budget didn't work. So just, you know, I'm just going to spend, spend, spend. Right. And they're in a worse place. So don't go on a budget. Don't take the time to put together this perfect budget that works for for right now, only to find out that next month life happened and the budget doesn't work anymore. Instead, I say get very, very intentional with your money, intentional with how you spend it. So we find that people spend money habitually, just out of habit, right? You're going to stop for your Starbucks coffee in the morning, or you're going to go out to lunch with your friends, or you're going to, you know, Friday night is, is go out to dinner night, and you just do it out of habit. And I'm not saying don't do those things. Absolutely not. But I am saying be consciously making decisions with that money. So when you're pulling through the Starbucks drive through what is this coffee doing for me right now? And is this coffee more important than my goal of what I really want to do? And some days that choice may be, yes, that coffee is that essential to me. I need that coffee to make it through my day. And there right. is absolutely nothing wrong with it, which is another reason not to go on the budget because the budget says, oh, I can't have that coffee. You know what? Today might be the day that you need that coffee, that that coffee is going to mean the difference between a nightmare of a day or being able to face the day and get through it. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, there's, there's no budget to break because you don't have a budget, right? But you're being very, very conscious of that decision. And so the next day, 
oh, I'm going to go get a coffee. Oh, you know what? Maybe today I don't need that coffee. And you just get very, very intentional with your decision. You know, do I need to go out to the expensive restaurant to enjoy my evening? Or is a lesser restaurant going to do the same thing? You know, we would go out to dinner because we didn't feel like cooking and cleaning and, and all that jazz. Right. So does it matter whether you're eating filet mignon or tacos? It depends where you're at. And I can't answer that for any individual. You know, that's for everyone to answer on their own. You know, for some people that filet mignon might be really, really important. Okay, do it, but enjoy it and know that you are intentionally spending that money on that filet mignon. Or enjoy your taco and say, you know what? I'm not cooking. I'm not cleaning up. This is good. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, you spoke to my soul because, I mean, I live alone. So some nights I don't feel like cooking and cleaning and I come home and eat a sandwich and I'm completely fine with that. Something is on my stomach. I'm not going to bed hungry and I go to bed. <laughs> Where can people like definitely find you? Because I think that you and your husband, your family strategy can help a lot of people. Um, a lot of think outside the box. Like a lot of people find people like Dave Ramsey and everything, which is great. Helped a lot of people get out of um, get out of debt and different things like that. But people might not have that type of timeline or time frame, or people might need other skills. Um, and I definitely believe that there is a place and a purpose for you and your family and what you guys are teaching and the skills and the strategies that you guys are sowing into the world. And so where can people find you on social media? Um, if you have a website, let the audience know that way they can connect with you. Sure. So I'm on both Facebook and LinkedIn, and I'll share those links with you, Reese, so, so you can share them with the audience. Um, okay. And we also have a website, inspiremymoney.com, just all one word, Inspire My Money. And there's lots of great tips there. You can get a free ebook. We actually, we have some courses that we offer. We also have a free course that people can really get a, get a flavor of what we have. And so kind of get into the mindset of money, which we, we change up because we're used to money just kind of flowing in and flowing out. And right. we want to change that mindset so that it's flowing in still, but we're making a decision about how it's going out. So it's not just going out freely. And, and that changes the whole outcome of, of your life, really, when you, when you change that mindset about money. Um, so there's things like that and really getting, getting clear on what your goals are. Because if we don't right. have a very clear destination on where we're going, we can't get there. And so, right. you know, in, in our story, having that timeline of going to be in Bali in October meant that we had to get our stuff together real quick and figure things yes. out and make decisions but we had this really crystal clear goal of what we were doing. And so we were able to, to make it happen. And we even got our kids involved with it so that they were part of that. And it just, everything comes together when you're really crystal clear on that goal. And it makes the money decisions actually so much easier. Right. So yes, there's okay. a free course on there that people can, can sign up for and take at their own pace and um, lots of goodies in there. You guys hear that. Do you hear how uh, how much passion she has, but also um, just the love for it? Um, I can definitely hear that in your voice. Here you guys are. You have a family of four and you guys are traveling the world and this is your bread and butter. And there's a free course. You guys, do you hear free course? <laughs> 
And so she's really intentional on helping people. Um, I can definitely tell there's a passion and a love for this. So guys, please go support um, our new sister that's part of our family. Her name is Karen Yates. I'm so happy that we had the chance to sit and talk. I really enjoyed this interview. Every interview, I take something away from someone. And I wanted to do this to inspire and motivate people who are out here listening to the podcast. If they stumble upon it on accident, they might hear something that they need for that day. And I truly think you dropped a lot of gems and a lot of motivational and inspirational things today. And I just want to thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Reese. This was a wonderful interview. And I really do hope that the audience, your listeners here, do get inspired because that really is that really is a core passion of mine to inspire people to, to not wait because, you know, you talked about retirement and, and people waiting for that. And, you know, our life does not begin at retirement. And, right. you know, it's so sad to me when I hear people say that, oh, well, maybe when we retire or, you know, maybe when the house is paid off, we'll, we'll be able to do this. And it's like, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what next year will right. bring. You don't know how much time you have here. And we're only here once. So go after those right. dreams and, and really see them come true because you you don't want to regret what you didn't do. Exactly. I agree with that wholeheartedly, guys. Well, you um, if you're driving, if you're in a place like at work and you're listening, don't worry. I will have all of Miss Karen's information in the show notes as well as on social media. Will I will be promoting it, YouTube, whatever platform you guys are watching or listening. Um, her information will be in the show notes or the caption. But thank you again, Karen, for coming on today. I really, really enjoyed you. I might have you come back. I might have to definitely have you come back. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you again, Reese. It has been a blast. Yes. And until next time, guys, please stay safe out there and we will see you on the next episode. Bye, guys. you for tuning in to this week's episode of God Coffee and Resilience. You can also follow us on Instagram at God Coffee and Resilience Podcast. You can also follow the host Reese at The Resilient PA and you can also check out our website at theresilientpa.com. Take care guys.